Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your hosts Mike Carter, number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turning a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley and Apple Bottom Jeans, one forty nine and two, unbelievable. After a week off, we are back. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And uh, obviously, Mike, uh, with uh, COVID-19 going on, lots of uh, lots of different things going on. And, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we haven't been able to keep this uh, keep this thing rolling each and every week. But we're bringing it back to you this morning with a great group of guests. Yeah, we've got a great show on tap for you today, and uh, yeah, Mike, it seems like COVID-19's got pretty much everything still shut down, <laughs> but uh, some states now attempting to reopen, so it's going to be interesting to see where harness racing kind of fits into that equation as we see some of these states now start to reopen their economies, but you know, you mentioned it, Mike, we've got a great show for you today, and one of the big things, Mike, that um, that we have both seen in this COVID-19 pandemic is some of the creativity coming out of our sport of harness racing. Uh, Some people stepping up. One of those people, Greg Blanchard, uh, introducing COSA TV, a Facebook Live broadcast. And if you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's pretty darn good. Uh, Great, great show uh, last week with uh, Dave Brower and Moira Fanning. It's also going to be on our show here today. And uh, Gary Seibel, get a chance to check that out. But we're going to talk to Greg a little bit about what went into uh, making that particular show possible. 
I'm also going to talk to Greg about how he's kind of been handling COVID-19. He's still uh, on the docket at Western Fair, and Mike Western Fair, one of the last tracks standing. And I'll tell you what, you see a couple of these racetracks racing uh, today that have managed to do it through the pandemic, and some of the handles that they have been able to post, Mike, uh, uh, you know, on the thoroughbred side, just unbelievable. One word, explosive. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. what it is. One word, explosive. Absolutely. I mean, it's just unbelievable, uh, you know, some of the numbers that we're seeing. No question about it. Uh, also, Moira Fanning is going to be joining us. Of course, she is the Chief Operating Officer of the Hamiltonian Society, and we're going to see what uh, she's got to say. She's going to give us uh, some updates on what's going on as far as uh, stakes and so forth. And plus, a very special guest, Mike, uh, somebody that's on the front line uh, battling COVID-19, Joelle Lippman, probably a name that's not going to be familiar to a lot of uh, our listening audience and uh, the harness racing world, but she is the fiancé of the natural witch, Matei, and uh, she, uh, a brand-new harness racing fan, kind of uh, been introduced when she met Rich, and she's going to talk to us a little bit about COVID-19 and some of the experiences she has had on the front lines at the hospital. So uh, she, she has – and we talked to Rich a couple of weeks ago, and uh, well, I'll tell you what, she's got some uh, pretty interesting stories, uh, you know, and unfortunately a lot on the heartbreaking side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say. And, uh, you know, from a racing standpoint, it'll be interesting to hear, you know, what she feels maybe some of the restrictions uh, could or couldn't be or should or shouldn't be. So it'll be cool to hear her talk about what maybe uh, we can do to get back to racing uh, a little bit sooner. No question about it. We're going to get this thing rolling with Greg Blanchard up next. You got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in just a moment. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Winback of Delaware Stallion lineup offers 12 proven stallions for the first state. Classic Carn Shark is a proven sire of stakes winners. He is a full brother to both Better's Delight and Roll with Joe. Roddy's Bangs Again is the sire of multiple DSBF final winners, including $675,000 winner Perfect Bangs. I'm Linda Cassano. I was the trainer of Husband Blue Chip for his whole career. 
And I have nothing but good things to say about Heston. He was a professional horse from the day he started. Heston Blue Chip is the sire of multiple stakes winners, including 2019 New York Sire Stakes champion and $980,000 winner Zero Tolerance. For more information on stallions, including breeding contracts, visit winbackfarm.com. We're back on this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And we're joined now by Greg Blanchard from Western Fair. And Greg, I tell you, uh, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, but normally we're talking Camelot Classic right around this time. Unfortunately, uh, you know, a lot, uh, a lot different scenario than normal. Greg? Greg, are you there? Let's see. I'm going to put Greg on speaker or put him on uh, headphones for a second. Uh, we can hear him. I'm not sure if he can hear us, Mike. Give me just a second. Uh, roll with it, and I will see if we can hear him. Okay. Once again, we got a good show on tap for you today. Uh, Moira Fanny is going to be joining us towards the top of the hour. Certainly want to stay tuned for that. Moira, of course, is the chief operating officer of the Hamiltonian Society. Plus, we're going to hear from Joelle Lidman. Once again, she's not a name that is uh, probably going to be familiar with a lot of, a lot of harness racing people. But uh, nonetheless, she is going to be talking about uh, what it's been like to be on the front line of the COVID-19. She is a <clears throat> brand new racing fan. She is also uh, a nurse at a New Jersey hospital, and we are going to talk to her about that. Certainly some very, very interesting stuff. So we're going to have Greg try to call back, Mike. That seems to be the plan. Yep, I think uh, I told Greg to give us a call back, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we could hear him, but he couldn't hear us. So uh, we'll talk to uh, Greg Blanchard here shortly. And, Mike, uh, speaking of the Camelot Classic, that would have been at the end of May. Uh, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen there now. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, we're looking at having a simulated race of the Camelot Classic. Mm-hmm here uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that uh, from the USTA. And that is something that you guys have done. You guys uh, uh, have done it for the, well, the Dexter Cup uh, coming up, I believe, right? That's tomorrow? Yep, Dexter Cup is tomorrow, yeah, for sure. Dexter Cup's tomorrow. Okay, and uh, of course you guys did the, uh, the Blue Chip Matchmaker, which was uh, yep. by Apple Bottom. Jeez, that was an upset. Let's, uh, let's try to get Greg back on the show, see if he can hear us. Greg, can you hear us? All right. Greg, are you there? I am. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great, thanks. All right. Well, uh, normally, we uh, normally right around this time, uh, we'd be talking Camelot Classic, but uh, obviously a set of circumstances uh, that uh, just doesn't make that possible at this point in time, and uh, obviously uh, a, a new world that we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this would be the time of year where we'd be ramping up toward that and, and starting to get uh, very excited about it and and be locking in uh, some confirmed starters, that type of thing. But obviously, we're all in the same boat where we're, uh, you know, we're shut down currently and wondering what's going to happen. But getting some, some more optimistic signs anyway that the racing might be set to return in some way, shape or form in some jurisdictions and Hopefully, when that starts, it'll um, you know be the case in in most places. 
Greg, of course, we're going to get into uh, COSA TV, but talk to us a little bit about kind of uh, how things have been in the in the Blanchard household with with COVID nineteen. How have uh, how have you and the family been able to handle it? Oh, I mean, it's been it's been good. I mean, hey, I, I can't really complain. Uh, I'm still able to work uh, from home in my uh, capacity at the Western Fair District, which is great. Um, you know, the, the marketing team that I oversee, um, we all have the ability to work uh, remotely. And um, fortunate to work for an employer that's uh, committed to keeping everybody <clears throat> working through this. And, and, uh, and um, you know, it's almost a full shutdown, <clears throat> excuse me, for our organization. So, uh, yeah, we, we certainly can't complain like everybody. And, you know, going a little stir crazy, obviously, watching lots of Netflix, uh, doing lots of cooking, you know, trying some things that, uh, that I've uh, been wanting to try, that type of thing. But uh, one thing I've done, if there's one positive, I think I've done more walking in the last month than I probably have in the last two years. Wow. Very, very nice. Well, Greg, let's talk a little bit about uh, COSA TV and you know, this has been an amazing project that uh, Curtis McDonald and the guys at Cujo Entertainment have put together and produced uh, in coordination with you. And, you know, it's one of those things that uh, Cujo Entertainment's done a lot of great things for Ontario racing just in general. And actually, we're going to have uh, or try to have uh, Curtis McDonald on next week. But talk to us about how this kind of idea sprung and uh, where it came from. Well, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, COSA, um, they have uh, they uh, use or have to use specifically for marketing and promoting <clears throat> horse racing. So it's uh, money from uh, what was called the SRA fund. Uh, it's been tied up for several years. So um, that finally became uh, accessible in the last, uh, say, year and a half or so. So they're mandated to use that money, as mentioned, to to try and uh, promote market um horse racing and they've done a variety of things but one of the projects that they uh, they embarked on was teaming up with uh, Curtis and his production production company um, started last year on a small scale they did some Facebook live shows last year of uh, some of the major racing events in Ontario I think uh, did about four altogether and then that um, developed into um, providing content for uh, for a YouTube platform this year uh, just simply wanting a platform to uh, create video content that could be pushed out on all the social media channels. So um, they've been doing that. Uh, you know, I give uh, Curtis a hand uh, here and there uh, with that type of stuff. And then um, from that, obviously, COVID-19 kind of shut everything down. <clears throat> and um, like like everyone in the world, we had to find a new way to, to try and do things. So... Um, Luckily, Curtis had the technology and we had the ability to uh, conduct these virtual shows um, and uh, have the ability to get these guests on remotely from their own homes, bring them together for these uh, discussions or interviews or shows, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Curtis has the technology and the ability to add in video content, photos, graphics, and and, uh, give it a more polished look so uh, they've been a lot of fun to do Um, we've had some wonderful guests and for me being a fan of the sport it's just been uh, it's been awesome to kind of take these uh, trips down memory lane so to speak with a lot of these people and uh, and relive uh, you know some of the great moments from yesteryear in harness racing of course uh, we hope eventually we'll, we'll get back to 
to doing, uh, you know, what we normally do. But uh, for now, we just uh, trying to kind of fill a void for the harness fans and horse people out there. Visiting with Greg Blanchard, he is the director of marketing and communications for the Western Fair Association, also the host of Coast TV. And Greg, uh, a lot of work has to be put into something like that. I mean, the, the broadcasts are very, very well done. Like you said, there's graphics and 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 video and just a lot of uh, particular moving parts. Tell us about some of the behind the scenes work that uh, goes into putting together a show like this. Sure. Well, it, it depends on on the guests, obviously, and. And that, that I have to, to say that's a part of, um, you know, in, in choosing guests, we're trying to get people that, um, you know, we think are going to be engaging and, and um, interesting for people to hear from. But also you have to consider that uh, in order to support that with video content, um, you know, it, it's reliant on, on having that content available on the YouTube platform currently. So, when you you know when you have someone like John Campbell for example Bill O'Donnell um, you can go into the the YouTube archives and and find lots of supporting video of uh, you know past races or past horses they've been associated with and for us that's kind of what adds uh, that uh, unique element to to what we're doing uh, to be able to to support it visually that way so um, yeah quite a bit of work when you know when the the guests get determined then it's sort of figuring out um, through feedback from them, you know, races or, or things they would like to talk about. And then, uh, you know, realizing what our audience might be interested in in, ta- in hearing about, um, you know, we compile the footage, just put a rough outline together of a, of a show order and how, how we want it to flow. But um, it, it's not a real tight format like you would see on a network show, for example. Uh, it's just kind of a roadmap <clears throat> where we can uh, guide the discussion, guide the interview, and then uh, Curtis, uh, you know, can uh, can direct from behind the scenes and and bring up the footage whenever it's applicable. But yeah, Curtis is the guy that does the work. I mean, you know, we we get a list together of uh, you know photographs and video that we want to include in the show, and then he's the one that has to go and obtain it and and uh, upload it to to his system and and uh, get everything in place for the show. So it's uh, definitely a, a few hours of work for him uh, each show. And we do two shows a week. So he's keeping, he's keeping good and busy. All right. Well, Greg, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, and uh, keep up the good work. Costa TV certainly been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think it's gotten off to a fantastic start. And uh, we certainly look forward to seeing the next, who's on the next episode, by the way. Uh, we haven't got that finalized yet. Any ideas? <laughs> well, well, listen. Hey, I, I, I gotta tell you, it's, it's and, and, you know, and Greg, one of the before we let you go, one of the great things, uh, I think actually there's a couple of silver linings for racing in this whole COVID nineteen. One of the things is like things are what you guys are doing. Um, you know, we're seeing more online things. We're seeing the virtual races. I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, people step forward. Um, and kind of using their imagination to try to, you know, to try to spur some different things. We're seeing some new innovations, new shows like yours. And, and another thing, Greg, I'll, 30 seconds or less, I'm going to throw this at you because I want to get your opinion on this because this is something I've heard, and this is something I actually I agree with. Racing could be in a better spot to come out of COVID-19 uh, and get rolling earlier than other sports. Is that true? 
Yeah, I, I would concur with that. Um, when I know here in Ontario and other places as well, <clears throat> when we finished racing before the shutdown, uh, you know, we were putting all sorts of uh, protocols in place and procedures to make it as safe uh, for people to operate as possible. We were racing without uh, fans at that time. So, yeah, I mean, there are many jurisdictions, I think, that would be uh, ready to fire up under these conditions and more than willing to do it if they have to uh, just to get racing back up and running. And, you know, if you're trying to take a positive out of it, uh, at least in the short term, um, you know, you'll be one of the first sporting events uh, back on the market and you'll have more eyeballs on uh, your product than than you had uh, pre-COVID-19. Good, good stuff. Greg, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, that was Greg Blanchard. And, uh, Mike, yeah, he's uh, he deserves a lot of the credit, um, Mike. And uh, we saw the development of the Western Fair product over the last, what, three or four years. And yeah. I'll tell you what, handle-wise, they have become a major player in Ontario. Yeah, number two in Ontario and uh, – you know, it's just one of those things, Mike, that, uh, you know, it takes time to build those. It takes some good ideas and it takes good leadership. And that's something that Greg is very capable of doing. So lots left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Uh, Joel Woodman's going to be joining us, plus Moira Fanning towards the top of the hour. And uh, Rich Tate might even stop by. He wants to talk some racing. You know, it's Arkansas Derby weekend. Did What's you know that? that? What's the Arkansas Derby? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the USDA back in just a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging mower, charging hard, and I'm the 6-1. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Association, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And right now we are joined by a very special guest, a name that probably isn't too well known in the sport of harness racing, but we're going to introduce you to her. Her name is Joelle Libman. Joelle, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic. Well, listen, you, um, first of all, let's kind of get 
to know you a little bit. You, uh, of course, you you met Rich a few years back, and your Rich Matei's fiance, of course, Rich Matei, contributed here to Post Time with Mike and Mike, along with the assistant race secretary uh, at Freehold, does some work for uh, Tioga as well. But uh, he's kind of introduced you uh, to the racing world. So tell us kind of how you like it and, and what your thoughts of it are. Um, I I like going to the races. I think they're fun. Um, I do not always know what's going on, but um, being outside, I like the atmosphere. And, and like last year, this time we were at the Derby, that was a really fun time. So um, I've enjoyed it so far. Obviously, Joel, uh, lots going on uh, with your profession, uh, with everything going on with COVID-19. And, you know, just tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what that's been like uh, to kind of watch in real time. It's been good and bad. Um, There are tough days and there are not so tough days. Um, We had the first round of people that come into the hospital who are can you hear me? Oh, um, yeah, we got the, you. First people, the first round of people to come in were um, kind of like we, what we call in the hospital walkie talkies where they, they go to work every day. They travel, they um, are just normal people day to day who have to be admitted to the hospital. And they were an easier group of people to take care of. Now we're getting the second wave of people who have been infected by the virus and they are nursing home people and psychiatric hospital people and people who got infected secondarily. So they are confused or old or there's, it's more tough now to take care of them on this uh, as the virus spreads. Visiting with Joelle Lidman. She is a nurse at a New Jersey hospital. Uh, She's also a big time racing fan. Joelle, we've uh, basically, we hear what we hear in the news media about as far as death tolls and, and hospitalizations and uh, just every kind of statistic you could possibly imagine. We also have heard, uh, you know, different types of treatment. What kind of treatments are there out there? And I know there's a lot of exploratory treatments uh, going on, but what are some of the things, how, how have you kind of, you guys have kind of attacked this from a treatment point of view? Uh, well, I'm not the prescribing doctor but what i'm seeing from my patients are they are doing the uh, plaquenil and the z-pack which is the um, antibiotic and the anti-malarial med that they're using um, and some zinc but we actually did run out of zinc so they're doing the best they can to treat these patients um, nothing is really going to treat them is the virus but it's helping with symptoms and speeding up their recovery. Now, Joelle, obviously a lot of people in the racing industry, uh, they want to get back to work and things of that sort. Is there, you know, and just obviously, you know, we're just asking for opinion here, but is is there any safe means of being able to do that uh, without any fans? I mean, are there really any safe protocols or is it one of those things we just got to kind of wait and see? Um, well, it's definitely uncharted territory for everyone, um, but I think wearing a mask in public might be a thing that needs to happen, and um, readily available hand washing or hand sanitizer, and just being mindful of how close you're getting to people and how much time you spend face-to-face, um, but 
other than that, I think we do need to kind of get back to normal as much as we can. I think some places are going to have to limit the amount of people. We're not going to be as crowded as we used to be. But I do think slowly we'll be able to return to what is our new norm. Joelle, uh, what have we seen from when this thing first started to now um, from your uh, vantage point, from your point of view, from somebody being on the front line in this fight, are we headed in the positive direction in the term of the amount of hospitalizations and, and the, uh, the level of sickness that we're seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people get discharged. Um, alone, I get daily updates from my hospital, and we've discharged in our hospital system. Over 1,700 patients have been discharged, which they don't really talk about on the news that much. They talk about fatalities, which, of course, we have had. But um, we are seeing less people get admitted. Um, the, we are not seeing as many people get extubated or off the ventilators as we would like. Um, it is hard to get people off of them, which, I mean, everyone has seen in the news. But all in all, we are seeing more discharges and less admissions. Well, that's certainly uh, certainly good news. Uh, from your point of view, I mean, what's what's the end game here? I mean, obviously, I don't think we're going to get back to a new normal for or a normal for a, a very long time. But uh, where, and, and of course, you're in New Jersey. Can you kind of open up your crystal ball and see when maybe we can start opening things up? I'd love to open up at least stuff that's outside. I mean, it's definitely more safe to be outside in the fresh air where it's an unlimited space to circulate the air. If you're in a tight space close to people, that's when you see more trouble. So this quarantine was great to keep the um, elderly from getting very sick. But now that the weather is getting nicer in New Jersey, I believe we really should open the things that at least have outdoor space. All right, good stuff, great information. Joel, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you, and uh, keep on fighting the good fight. Thanks very much, Mike. I'll see you soon. All right, that was uh, Joel Lidman. Mike, a lot of great information there from Joel. And uh, I'll tell you what, from hearing her speak, it, it appears at least there's some light at the end of the tunnel. This thing. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's tough. It, it's tough to say, and obviously I don't want to give too much of an opinion because I've had friends, friends and family die from this thing, but, you know, yep. it's one of those things that, you know, you, you go every day hoping that, you know, we can kind of move, maneuver around things. And, you know, Mike DeWine here in Ohio has done some great things, uh, and he's going to progressively start opening things up over the next couple of weeks. I foresee, um, you know, it taking about eight weeks probably to get everything reopened. But, you know, if that's what it takes uh, to be safe, why not go for it? Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, sooner or later, um, putting, I mean, because, uh, you know, and, and like, once again, I don't like to compare or even want to compare safety versus uh you know, the economy and things like that. But, I mean, there's going to come a point in time, Mike, where the economic woes are going to start having a mental effect on a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation uh, all around. That's for sure. Yeah, no question about it. All right, so lots left to come on this edition of Host Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USGA. Moira Fanning, the Chief Operating Officer of the Hamiltonian Society, is going to be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Rich Matei is going to hop on, too. We're actually going to talk a little bit of racing, Mike, 
uh, as it is uh, Arkansas Derby weekend. But uh, boy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's but, but like I said, we had a chance to talk to Rich Matei a couple of weeks back. It was actually good to talk about some sort of racing. You know, I, yep. I, you know, because we've been mired in this COVID-19 thing now for, what, the last month and a half or two weeks. So we're just going to jump on uh, with us at about 11.15. But Moira Fanning is up next. We've got post time with Mike and Mike presented it by the USDA back in just a moment. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Family property call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at
We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by Moira Fanning. And uh, Moira, I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of things going on uh, in the world, uh, per se. Uh, not a normal situation at all. But, uh, you know, from the we're all looking forward to Grand Circuit and stake season, and as I'm sure you are. Yes, greetings from a lonely planet. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we we are hoping for a stake season, and we are hoping to get back racing sooner rather than later. Um, we're all stall walkers at this point. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, but uh, there's obviously still some business being uh tended to uh, some behind the scenes work of course with uh, stakes payments and so forth what's kind of the latest anything new as far as that goes well uh for the stakes that we service obviously our first one was the eliminations for the dexter cup which was scheduled for april 25th now that was always really the kickoff to our road to the hamiltonian and our uh, stake season, um, a, a great way for a freehold to close their meet, Dexter Cup, Lady Suffolk. And, and they had to cancel them with no hope of uh, opening before uh, May. I think their tr- meet traditionally closed at the end of May. So that was very disappointing, and um, we did refund those races as quickly as possible to get the money back in people's hands. Same with the Reynolds um paces which were at uh yonkers and they you know of course also were not looking uh at any kind of hard start date so uh, they're so far the 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 damage isn't awful uh but if if you look at the calendar May has a lot of stakes, PA All-Stars, Stallion Series. I think the Cutler at the Meadowlands is May 15th. And, you know, people do need a, a week or two notice uh, if they're going to be raced. But, unfortunately, everybody's just held in abeyance as far as, um, you know, what they can do. Now, our April payments are primarily uh, – Breeders' Crown closers out in Hoosier and the matrons, so they, the April payments held fairly fairly steady. And again, there was as soon as the Hamiltonian Society takes a uh, payment on a race, it's their responsibility to preserve the value of that race, both for the host track, the stake sponsor, and the people who pay into it from yearling through maturation. So, uh, just. As I said, with the Dexter Cup, uh, those people who made their their um, three-year-old payment in February got back a, quite a chunk of change because the value of the race had been preserved. So people, I think, understand that, and they had our, our payments stayed very steady. Breeders' Crown, some of the races are are in the fall. Everyone's crossing their fingers and praying that things will be back to normal by then, and. As you know how staking goes, as soon as one deadline's over, here comes another one. So there are May payments, primarily two-year-old and uh, yearlings. And um, after that, there's a, a respite where everybody hopefully will get to start entering their horses and race for that money. 
And we're obviously uh, with a lot of the big events comes a lot of pre-race planning and, you know, uh, looking ahead to events uh, like the Hamiltonian uh, or the Breeders' Crown. With a lot of the restrictions that are currently in place, uh, have the talks kind of started already about what the plan is going to be uh, for no fans or, you know, what, what to do if X situation happens? Well, we talk about we have planning meetings, you know, all the time, and and though those have slowed, um, they haven't halted, and it's especially uh, heartbreaking for me uh, that this is our 95th Hamiltonian, quite an important anniversary. Uh, we had a lot of special things planned. Um, I've seen the already seen the giveaway hats; they're beautiful. Our lapel pins. We have a special edition. Uh, forbidden trade champagne that that we've been working on going to have a big alumni event and and uh, autographs and just several special things to work into this year's hamiltonian now obviously if we have to have it without fans we're going to have to forestall a lot of those special events uh, i think the meadowlands has a you know a, a really good preparatory team uh, they want to get open just as much as, as people want them open. So I believe they have a lot of probe calls already in place, just waiting for the word go. And it's impossible to say what the state of New Jersey will be like in August. We, you know, it's funny, we hope. I, almost everything I, I say these days starts with, I hope. Well, I have a brother in the military, and his favorite saying is, you know, hope is not a plan. When he asks you what time you're going to be there for dinner and you say, well, I hope around 6, he goes, no, hope is not a plan. When will you be here? (laughs) So the planning that's been going on behind the scenes has been very extensive. Uh, The Meadowlands doesn't have a, a, you know, a backstretch, populated backstretch area. I would say that's the biggest issue is getting horses there. But, you know, the SBOA has been working on it. other tracks have already come out with their protocols. Other tracks are already racing. So uh, I'm sorry to my brother, but I hope we're going to have spectators in August. You and me both, because uh, right now uh, we're we're sort of dependent on, uh, you know, the, the racing that we're getting is uh, simulated uh, per se. And we brought up the Dexter Cup earlier, and we're going to present a simulated version of the Dexter Cup uh, tomorrow um, from the USTA, but uh, obviously that's been kind of uh, where people have gone. I've noticed that the British Crown has done a great job of showing some of the historical races, um, you know, taking a walk back through history. These kinds of things are keeping racing in people's minds. You know, that is, has been a, a kind of a, a one wonderful offshoot of this is that people have the time and the attention span now to to delve into these historical things and these events. Uh, our resident web genius, Ryan Macedonio, and I came up with a bracket uh, for great Breeders' Crown winners. I think we're down to final 12 right now. And you guys have been doing stuff, the Fan Zone, uh, the COSA TV uh, TV shows have been wonderful. I urge everyone, if you didn't listen to last night's uh, edition with the Breeders, Dr. Bridget Jablonski, Pat Wood from Winback, and Ann Stratman, really, really interesting and and these things are keeping people occupied, but as I said, um, they're really missing live racing and and wanting it to come back. But it, but the the flip side of uh, if there is a tiny silver lining, it's that we've gotten this great content out there, and people have really become engaged with it. 
Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we mentioned. We're seeing a lot of creative things uh, come out of this, uh, a lot of different people and a lot of different avenues. And I, I always, uh, always think it's a good thing when we can get creative with our sport and find different ways to market and talk about our sport. But uh, real quick, Mara, before we let you go, and, and uh, we don't mean to put you on the spot, but I always hmm. thought that, you know, you're the one with, if there's anybody in the sport of harness racing that's got close to all the answers, you are the one. So I'm going to ask you to put your crystal ball on. When do you think we can get back going? I'm going to say May for some, uh, I mean, obviously if they're going to try uh, to open up Kentucky, uh, we don't have a harness track that's currently going down there. doesn't mean we couldn't. And I think that's been the biggest stopper is that somebody has to be first. So I think um, if New Jersey continues to open up, you'll see uh, see something happening in May. And I think that once one track gets going and can iron out the protocols, uh, that there will be limited opening. I, I hope in Pennsylvania and Ohio they also seem to have those kind of enclosed backstretches where they don't have to import any people. And, um, I mean, this is we're still working, uh, some of us remotely, some of us coming in one or two times a week. Uh, somebody's in here every day, just like you at the USTA. You've, you've learned to streamline, and we're getting things done. But it's not ideal, and we really um, we want to be safe, we want to be healthy, but we want to get going. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, you know, this, this, uh, one thing is for sure is that when things start back up, it's going to be quite a while. It's certainly going to be a new normal. It's not going to be uh, business as usual when things start up, at least for a while. Moira, we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, continue to, uh, to do that good work. Okay, thank you very much. You too. That was Moira Fanning. And uh, as always, Moira, just uh, a great person, a great individual. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, she's, uh, she's just done one heck of a job, uh, one of the unsung heroes in the sport of harness racing. And like I said, Mike, uh, you know, she is probably the closest person in this sport that I know of that has close <laughs> to all the answers about anything. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she has almost all of the answers, that's for sure. Uh, and I give yeah. Moira a lot of credit. She is one of the hardest working women in the sport of harness racing, if not the hardest. And uh, I, I give her a lot of credit. She does a lot of great work for the sport and, uh, you know, is very helpful. All right. And speaking of, uh, well, we just had Moira on and she has uh, a lot of answers about everything. Now we're going to bring on somebody that doesn't have a whole no lot of answers about anything. And that's the natural. <laughs> that's the natural. <laughs> Rich Matei joining us. And, uh, uh, you know, Rich, uh, first of all, welcome to the program. Uh, and uh, we actually have some racing to talk about this weekend, albeit thoroughbreds. Yeah, we got two divisions of the Arkansas Derby on Saturday. We also have the Oaklawn Handicap, and I know it's not the Kentucky Derby, but you'll probably see most of these horses in the starting gate on that first Saturday in September, which is the new date for the Kentucky Derby. Listen, you two, I want to say something right now. Out of the three of us, I might have gotten the luckiest to be able to call a Kentucky Derby starter before the Kentucky Derby. I, 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 King Guillermo is a King horse. Guillermo, that I got, right? yeah, King yeah, Guillermo yeah. is a horse that I got to call, uh, I believe, in his debut at Gulfstream Park uh, back in September. And uh, now to see him getting ready for the Kentucky Derby, it's just kind of a cool little, uh, cool little aspect of it for me. 
uh, you know, from a personal standpoint. Yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, no he question has about it. And, you know, and, and, and I had a horse, uh, if you remember, I think it was last year, Rich, wasn't it? Uh, Ma- Ma- oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I can't even remember. Mystery. Yeah. Mystery. I, I certainly put the, I certainly put the, <laughs> the, the heck yeah, on everybody, that everybody called, but, Didn't everybody call you Keith Jones after that? They thought you were Keith Jones? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just Keith Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Rich, let's talk about this Arkansas Derby from a handicapping point of view for anybody that, uh, you know, is looking to make some money this weekend. Tell us about uh, who we could look forward to. All right, in the first division, the horse I actually wanted to bet on is scratched. He came out the day after they drew the entries. Um, Bob Baffert's horse, Charlton, is going to be tough to beat, but if you're a trip handicapper like I am, there's a horse to the outside. His name is Basin. Last time out, he ran in the Oaklawn Stakes, and um, he was down towards the inside. He was in good position. As they went around the far turn, the pace was really hot. The horses that were contesting the lead, we're starting to back up, and they started backing Basin up, and they took him right out of the race. And then he had to go around them, and by the time he got room and started moving, it was way too late. Now you get Ricardo Santana Jr., who was, I think, quarantined at the time, which is why he wasn't riding Basin. He's back aboard for his main man, Steve Asmussen. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. I think he's the one that could upset Charlton in the first division of that Arkansas Derby. That's race 11. I would use those two to start the pick four. And if you would go to the 13th race, that's the second division of the Arkansas Derby. That one's more wide open. And somebody made a comment, and I totally agree with it. The first division looks like it could be a non-winners of two on a Saturday at Saratoga. And the second division actually looks like a grade one race with the Arkansas Derby is. The doll's going to be the favorite. I think you could beat him, though. King Guillermo, like Michael Carter said, he's a pretty nice horse. Last time out, he won the Tampa Bay Derby. He actually has the highest last-out buyer in the field. He got a 99 last time out. He paid $100 to win. You're not going to get anything near that. He's 3-1 to one on the morning line. But a horse that I'm looking at who's a price is going to be Tyshawn. He's coming out of that Oakland Stakes that we just talked about. And he was one of those horses that were up on the pace. He made a middle move in that race. And he's the reason that race totally collapsed there. Mr. Big News, Farmington Road, those two came from to run 1-2. Tyshawn was up on the pace. He finished third. He's 15-1 to one on the morning line. So I'm going to take a shot with Tyshawn in the second division of that Arkansas Derby, guys. All right. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, there's another race too, right? The Oakland Handicap, right? Yeah, that's in between those two races. That'll be race number 12. That's the second leg of the pick four. This race came up a very tough race. You have horses that ran in the Kentucky Derby last year. You actually have the Kentucky Derby favorite from last year, Improbable. He got stuck with 30 post-14, but his last race was really good. He came from the outside post, and he was up on a hot pace. There were about four or five horses across the track going into the first turn, and he was the horse that was five wide. He was five wide down the back stretch. He took the lead at the top of the stretch, started opening up, and Tom Seta, who was the heavy favorite that day, just narrowly ran him down. He's a horse you could use. A horse that I'm going to throw out who's going to take a lot of money is by my standards. He also ran the Kentucky Derby last year. I think he's 9-2 to two on the morning line. He'll probably be the favorite, honestly. And after his last race, he had a perfect trip where he just sat off the long shot leader. The second choice in that race, actually the favorite in that race, 
stumbled at the start, which gave by my standards every chance to just stalk the pace, open up at the top of the stretch and win. He's not going to get the same circumstances on Saturday. Uh, another horse I want to use is Tacitus. I've always been a fan of Tacitus. He also ran in the Kentucky Derby last year. He probably ran the second best race last year in the Kentucky Derby, honestly. And last time out in the Saudi Cup, he just never looked comfortable. Jose Lascano had to get after him every step of the way. And I just think the mile and an eighth is going to suit him. I think he runs best at a mile and an eighth. His Tampa Bay Derby last year was good. His Wood Memorial was sensational at a mile and an eighth. And even his Jim Dandy, he should have won the Jim Dandy last year. That was also at a mile and an eighth. And the horse that he lost to in the Jim Dandy tax is also in here. And he's worth a look. I know he's like 15 or 20 to one on the morning line as well. All right. Good stuff as always, Rich. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. And uh, best of luck to you at the uh, virtual mutual windows come Saturday. By the way, who do you like in the virtual derby? Oh, Secretariat, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No. No. My pick is Citation. Citation. I picked Citation. Five to, five to one on the morning line. You got okay. I'm hanging up now. I can't take this. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you later, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Bye. That was the natural listen to say. And, uh, listen, for, for, for more information on his handicapping prowess, you can check out my Facebook page for memories a couple of years ago. And he, uh, you remember when he picked that scratch artist? Yes, I, it was. It was, you know, and it's funny because I, when I need a good laugh, I watch. Uh, I watch that video. And Mike Lennon, for those who don't know the story, uh, they used to do this Facebook Live at, from Harris, Philadelphia. And Rich was talking about this horse, and you saw Mike. He, he Rich said the horse's name and the number and things, and you see Mike flip through his program real quick, and he looked down, and then he smiled, and then he let Rich go. He let Rich go. He let Rich go, and then all of a sudden he goes, uh, "Well, he's got no shot." And Rich goes what are you talking about? And he says, quote, well, he scratched and out the door he went. <laughs> that was a fantastic Facebook moment, no question about it. We're going we're gonna to wrap this thing up after this very brief timeout. So we've got first time with Mike and Mike presented by the USDA. Winback Farm of Ontario is proud to welcome four exciting new stallions for 2020. Jimmy Freight, the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby at Mohawk Gold Cup. Nick Wicked, the 2018 Horse of the Year in U.S. and Canada, the richest pacing stallion in harness racing history. Stag Party is the 2018 O'Brien Award winner, and the winner of the Metro Pace. And the Bank, son of two millionaires, Donato Hanover and Lantern Kronos, and a Breeders' Crown and Stanley Dancer champion. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. All right. Thanks so much for all of our guests for coming on this morning. Next week, a great show for you. Gordon Waterstone will try to get Curtis McDonald on the program as well. We'll see everybody next Thursday with a first post of 1030. Stay safe, everybody.
Stay here I know 